It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast. Zach Blackerby, Painter Sharpless, Michael Pappas here with you. How are we doing, gents? Can't complain. I feel like we had a, a radio segment just like this earlier today. Approximately two hours ago. You hung out with Coach Die for, uh, for a solid hour. How'd that go? Clay Helton was on the phone. Yeah, he's a former Auburn guy, yes. and not a lot of people know that. Yeah, I think he was both at Auburn and Houston, if I'm not mistaken, as a quarterback. And mm-hmm. then uh, people, it's pretty well documented, I think, over the last few years that USC's had some ups and downs between Lane Kiffin and Ed Orgeron and Clay Helton, and, and he has had some ups and downs. Right. They've had some success with him as coach, and they've also, I think, had a five-win season with him as head coach. So this is a big year for him. A lot of people were excited about JT Daniels and the potential he offered at quarterback. I think it's like Coach Malzahn, a, a very important year for Clay Hilton. I think probably one that could determine if he's back at USC next season. I just he'll it, be back, and for one reason and one reason only. What's that? Graham Harrell, the new OC. You a big fan? I'm a huge fan of Graham Harrell. You remember him from the uh, Texas, Texas Tech. Tech Michael Crabtree days yes. with Mike Leach. You'll remember him as the quarterback who beat out Auburn quarterback Chris Todd for that job before Chris Todd came to Auburn. Uh huh. You'll remember him as the offensive coordinator for a North Texas team that went into Arkansas and won by 30 last season. To be fair, just about everyone did that, but North Texas... uh... No, Alabama didn't even do that. They only won by 20. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying. And Arkansas put up three points on North Texas. They put up 30 on Alabama. Is your flash on your phone on? Yeah, it is. You were lit, literally talking about Graham Harrell right now. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped, dude. I love Graham Harrell. I love the uh, that Texas Tech Texas game that year is one of the best football games I've ever watched. I think most of us, you know, if you were probably like more than ten, yeah, for those people listening, which I assume is most of you now, like you, you when you think of Graham Harrell, you also then associate him with Michael Crabtree and what seemed to be a pretty easy. Just push the guy out of bounds. I loved that team so much. When Michael Crabtree got drafted by the 49ers, I bought a Crabtree 49ers jersey. Really? I think that was the first jersey I bought with my own money, actually. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. All right, so the big story yesterday. Uh, and it's I also guess it, worth mentioning that Alabama beat Arkansas 65-31. to 31. Yikes. I was wrong. <laughs> But you're right. I they don't did hear you say that a whole lot. <laughs> they did score 31 points against Alabama, which is more than I would have thought. I guess that was a weird game because there was yeah. like a moment in that game where Arkansas looked like they were going to compete, and then the second half happened. The Locked On Auburn podcast uh, research team is is top notch. We appreciate Google. Yeah, it's undefeated. Ask Jeeves. So, <laughs> the real ones remember. Yes. So the, the big story yesterday with Anthony Schwartz, the news of him, he was going to undergo surgery on his hand. It appears that that surgery went well. And so uh, it doesn't seem like anyone's been told by any particular source the timetable of this. A lot of folks guessing four to six weeks. Painter, I've heard eight weeks. You've heard up as eight weeks now. And that's obviously not what um, not I mean, what Auburn fans want to hear. Pretty much anything broken, I think, 
generally, like, especially because we talked about this yesterday, like there are some things where you can kind of tape it up, club it up and you, but like for him at that position, it's simply not an option. So I would think six weeks is probably a pretty safe bet, but I've heard eight weeks. Yeah. If he's a defensive back or, you know, a a defensive tackle or something like that, I think you could possibly club it up, but it's not, that probably doesn't work for him quite as well. Right. So, I mean, then it kind of forces Eli stove into a larger role. The reports coming out yesterday shortly after we recorded the podcast that he's kind of got a it seems like he's nicked his knee a little bit you you think it's just a precaution you you don't think it's anything big I imagine that well yes one I think it's just a precaution that's what I've heard and two you know I, I think that it's something that you do want to make sure a guy that you, you know what he brings to the table at this mm-hmm. point in his career at Auburn so it's you, you would rather just give him extra rest, I think, uh, than, than force the issue, especially coming off the injury he did. I, I don't think it's going to be something that holds him out of the opener. You think Schwartz could club it up? I feel like he could. He couldn't. Be, he wouldn't obviously wouldn't be able to catch passes, but he could still do jet sweeps, maybe return a punt. I think it's just such a liability. Like it's going to be. It's so much likely, more likely one that if you rush him back, the worst thing you could do with the hand is re-injure it. But then. I guess you think, okay, it's protected. That's fine. You're not worried about that. But holding on to the football with one hand, and, and like I, I think that would be a real liability at times to yeah. not ever have that second. Right. I mean, as far as, you know, could he take a jet sweep or a handoff once or twice a game? Like, he probably could. But I think the real value that, he com- that, that, that comes with shorts when you put him on the field is the defense has to look at him and think, okay, what in the world is this guy doing? And I think that kind of puts him in a box, and I don't think it becomes as valuable. And so – you Maybe see, not as valuable, but I mean, the the and I know we'll talk about constantly how Sean Schwar- Sean Shivers is basically the same speed as Anthony Schwartz, but I I don't know, man. Even getting to see that, getting one or two plays with that speed, I feel like might be worth it. Obviously, health comes first, and and if he and the coaching staff or the training staff are like it's too big of a risk to re-injure it, he should not play. But I mean, if they can. I got to imagine they're going to try to get him on the field. Although if it does turn bad, he does he could redshirt, right? And I don't think I obviously mean, worst case scenario. We're a month away, so like the, it, it seems like he could be back for that A and M game. Even well, it's it's the sixth now, so I mean he's pushing right up against mm-hmm. that A and M game, but it's still possible. If he you could say be eight back. weeks, yeah. So I, I think that's true. And it you know maybe he it may not be back by then. They're, they're, I, I don't think they're going to rush it back, and I think. One of the things that Auburn benefits from this year is probably, I mean, we're, we're speculating a little bit because they lost their surefire productivity in Ryan Davis and Darius Slayton, but it does appear that this is the deepest wide receiver unit they've had in a while. So, like, if if it's going to happen any season so far, this may have been this the best the year because Eli Stove right. will end up doing some of what he does now. I get it. Schwartz is elite speed and Eli Stove is, is very fast but there are like there just really aren't there's not many players like Anthony Schwartz in college football and I think there there's also an element that needs to be discussed I mean he he missed spring practice he's now going to miss fall camp and it's just you know th- this guy's not a veteran I mean he, he got some reps last year and he was able to make a difference to some extent but you're not going to be where you should be at this point of your sophomore year with with taking time off to run track and then also missing your you know your second fall camp, so I, I I'm just skeptical of how much of an impact he can have this year, and obviously that speed is going to help him do some things, 
But as far as scheme and as far as you know, understanding where he needs to be, I, I don't think he's going to be Auburn's number two or three guy when it's all said and done this year. Painter mentioned Ryan Davis, and as far as replacing that production, I mean, obviously Auburn Dav- Ryan Davis had a very storied Auburn career, but as far as what he did on the field, that production has to be one of the easier things to replicate. And Anthony Schwartz, you got to have penciled in as a guy to really help you do that. As far as you know, being active in the screen game, in the uh, in the backfield, and then and then on those deep shots, he's uh, you know a massive home run threat. Every time he touches the ball, th- it could be a touchdown. And I know that's theoretically possible for anyone, but uh, you got to think more so with him. I mean, if he gets a sliver of space. You know, he's 10 yards down the field faster than you can blink. So, so I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, what Ryan Davis did as far as replacing that, it was all short passes. Which is why he's, like, broken a bunch of records. Right. It's just, like, it, that what he did was, was extremely hard to do. And, and I've talked to him about that. He's like, dude, I hear that all the time. It, it, it's so weird to me. But... Um, and I agree with them. So I don't think that's something you can just replace. And I also think there's a certain level of like, we just don't know. Like there may be someone like Matthew Hill may be every bit as capable as Ryan Davis. And because of the way the game seems to be trending with more and more passing and with a guy like perhaps Bo Nix at some point stepping in, whether it's this year or not, like that record probably will get broken in the next five to 10 years. What record? But also, the, the, the catch record? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just... So between Nick Marshall and Ryan Davis, like, is there another hot take we need to have real quick? Yeah, who else? Like, is Cam is Cam Newton like the sixth best player ever? No, I I don't think. Like, I just I I think Ryan Davis was a very good player and yardage. You know what he does with the ball in his hands and after the catch. I think that part is very difficult to replace. I think that the scheme that he played in had a lot more to do with the number of receptions that he had than him being a superstar caliber wide receiver. I mean, the guy caught a ton of screen passes, which is no fault of his own. I mean, it's not his. Obviously, he's very good with the ball after the catch. He made some massive plays, but uh, unfor- I mean, fortunately for him and for the record, they got him the ball. And so I just think as far as that sort of production, I, I think that you know, that is something... I, I think it's much easier to find a guy to replicate that sort of production than do what... I mean, Darius Slayton was slotted to be doing. Well, which was what? Running the running the deep routes, taking the top off the defense, and catching the the big you know those big long touchdown passes. I just think we would see what Ryan Davis did more across college football and at Auburn if it was that easy to do. Do you disagree? Just just like the massive catch numbers, you mean? Yeah. I guess. I mean, I just... I mean, as far as a guy that's that size and that shifty and that athletic, for him to get hit that often, I mean, you just don't see that. I mean, Eli Stove was kind of the guy, kind of the favorite to to replace that. And it seems like he has a hard time staying healthy. I don't think it's his fault. I don't think there's any toughness to that or lack of toughness from Eli Stokes. Yeah, some part. of it could be bad fortune. Yeah, and you know, maybe Ryan just didn't get hit the right way, you know, fortunately mm-hmm. for Auburn and fortunately for him. But you you just don't see that level of durability in that type of wide receiver to get that high of a volume, and I think that's special. I think what he did was awesome. I think I'm not I'm not trying to say that I don't think what he did was awesome. Okay. I I don't I I think what he did was very impressive. I think he was a very good player. I just think from a what we what we are trying to project Auburn 
you know, having the toughest time replacing, just replacing, uh, like having a guy who does what Ryan Davis did or two guys that can do what Ryan Davis did, I think is more likely than them having someone that is as good as Darius Slayton was at taking the tops off of defenses. Now, if Darius Slayton could catch, I'd say he was much more difficult to replace in general. But, I mean, as far as finding someone to drop the ball twice a game, I can do that. You're listening to the Locked On Auburn Podcast. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I saw uh, an article from Jason Caldwell of AuburnUndercover.com writing about what Marlon Davidson said about freshman defensive lineman mm. Jaron Handy. You're nodding your head. I think you know where I'm going with this. I mean, Marlon comparing Jaron to, to a younger version of him. And we saw what Marlon was able to do as a freshman and just kind of hearing and reading what Marlon Davidson said about this guy. I mean, calling him a dog, saying that he does things the right way, just comes in, wants to work, wants to grind. I mean, this is a, a freshman that we hadn't heard a whole lot about. There was a lot of excitement when he committed right. to Auburn, a Mississippi guy. And uh, I, I think based on what Davidson's saying, I mean, you don't hear him talk about young guys like that. I think that sh- should be encouraging. And also, I believe he had really high praise for T.D. Moultrie. Also, so I, I, you know, and I'm really fascinated to see if Handy, I do expect him to play, especially if Marlon's talking about him in that way, because usually Coach Gardner finds a way to get some young guys on the field, especially if they're talented. They may not play a ton, but they'll get into that rotation. And so it sounds like Handy's in line to do that. And I think also Auburn fans should be optimistic because last year they had to spend a lot of time blitzing to put pressure on the quarterback. And I think if they have a more established, effective pass rusher off the edge, it might help the secondary and the linebackers some. So I think good news on the front of youth that seems to be showing out early and more good news for Auburn that it seems to have found, or at least Marlon Davidson seems to believe, that uh, T.D. Moultrie has taken some steps forward since last year too. And then looking at uh, other guys that may have taken some steps forward, AL.com did a, did a breakdown of the weight differences from last year to this year, and Owen Papo has gained nine pounds. Roger McCreary has gained nine pounds. Michael Harris, the linebacker, is up 21 pounds from this time a year ago. And, I mean, you, you see those biggest jumps from those those younger guys, but a lot of the defensive linemen, I mean, Marlon Davidson, no weight change. Derek Brown lost seven pounds. Uh, There's there someone else here. Nick Coe lost, uh, I just lost his name, but he lost like seven or eight pounds as well. So what are y'all's thoughts on defensive line I mean do, do you want them to get bigger every year I mean Marlon Davidson 278 pounds moves extremely well do you think that's a that's an ideal way for him to go into the season as it seems like the goal was to get more lean to lose body fat and so I, I'm all about that and I, you know I'm, I'm not going to question coach Russell too much just because they they spend so much time together so uh, you know that was the goal was to lose weight like for because I get the idea of having really big strong linemen but I don't think Nick Coe is lacking anything in size so if he's like <laughs> sure. Marlon Davidson and he's leaned up a, a little bit I think that's nothing but good news all right the, the original reason I pulled up the story was because you mentioned TD Moultrie and I wanted to see what his weight gain was he lost two pounds he's at 243 
What do you think his role can be realistically with this stacked of a defensive line? I mean, I mean, it seems like he's just uh, just going to be an edge rusher. Really fast. Yes. Right. We're turn. We're changing topics from from just a weight thing, and I have a little little anecdote. Go ahead. This is a little very off topic. Love Do it. you know who the uh, the fullback at Michigan, Ben Mason? You guys heard of him? I haven't. No. Okay. So he was one of the best fullbacks in the country last year, like kind of took college football by storm as a fullback. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> as much as, as a fullback, fullback can. can. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was listening to an interview with Coach Harbaugh the other day, and he said that Ben Mason, the fullback, is up to 270 pounds and is going to be mo- – <laughs> Is going to be moonlighting as a defensive tackle for them at Michigan. Really? What was the Alabama's had a few of them most recently though? There was what was the player who was it Payne that was able? He played most yeah, of the defensive yeah, line, yeah. but they would occasionally put him in their jumbo See, packages. Like, but like that's more like I guess Payne was probably a little closer to three hundred pounds, but that's essentially what you're looking at as a guy like that constantly being on the field. Yeah, but it's like in that case, that was a defensive lineman that they'd like toss in in goal line packages. Like this is their fullback, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like out there, I'm guessing at oh, least sixty no, percent yeah, of the snaps or something. On a pro style yeah. offense, that Harbaugh. So I don't know. I was just sorry. We can team well, if that, I mean, if that works out, that's amazing. I, and like, also, his athleticism is surely off the charts. If yeah. he's that big and able to keep up with linebackers who are 235 pounds or whatever the case may be. Yeah, and fullbacks play a lot at Michigan. Yeah, like if you're on, if you're the oh, starter yeah. there, I mean, you're you're kind of the designated blocker on a lot of those plays. So that's kind of funny. That's cool. Something to watch for. I was, yeah, I was just like, dude, can you imagine? No, I, I would just run away from any gap like, he was in. Because yeah. like Jay Prosh was sitting at what? Was he around 230? I think I'll look usually I'll 230 they're at 240. Usually, I mean, I feel like usually fullbacks are like, 240, 250? So add 30 he wasn't pounds. He tall, though, I don't think. I think he was 6'1", maybe. I'll look it up real okay. quick. Just, I, I'll, I'll double check. I could be... He was 6'1", and at least they had him listed as a Texan as 256. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he... I was uh, I, w- I was sitting in class one day. It was like the second class of the semester, and Jay Prosh came in with all of his uh, Houston Texans gear on and was trying to get into the class. And like Ricardo Lewis and Brandon King, those guys were in the class too, and um the 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 teacher like strong armed him. He's like, no, no. And this guy's like a huge human being and he's just like standing up to him, like, no, no, we don't have room in here. We don't have room in here for you. And he just walked out. I'm looking at my buddies and I'm just we were in that class. You were in that class with me. Oh, was that with um with Walden? Man, he was a, a good dude. But yeah, that that's unfortunate. Were you in there for that? I only had one class with him, so if you had more than one class, no, it's possible. No, it, it was a class we were in then, together. Yeah, it, yeah. We, uh, does, okay, so this isn't going to sound flattering, but like just not obviously the mutation thing, but like doesn't he sort of remind you of the thing from the Fantastic Four? <laughs> Jay Prosh? Yes. Like, I, I mean, just as far as like Setting aside the fact strong. that he's like orange in the movie, like, uh-huh. like just a bouldery dude. Yeah, I get it. So he's anyway. a fullback. That's what you're trying to say. Yes, more <laughs> I mean, or less. Just, just a big, strong dude, right? But TD Moultrie also, like, I, right. so, I, I think that if he has the role we we expect he could, or or takes a step forward, or Big Cat for that matter, this defense to me is almost complete. Can you look up Jeff Holland's weight mm-hmm. his, his last year at Auburn? Because I'm curious to see how far away from 240 pounds he was. I don't remember him, but he was 6'2", 249 are his listings. So, I mean, uh, he probably fluctuated anywhere from 240 to 250. Yeah, and, and, you know, a lot of people talk about Jeff Holland and his ability to to rush the passer that year, but he was perfectly fine in the run game. I kind of kept expecting him to 
kind of get pushed around in the running game, and he and he wasn't. He, that really never happened. So I mean, he he held his own. So can TD Moultrie do that? Is kind of my big question, and I mean, we I don't think we'll know until you know halfway through the year. I mean, it'll really really help him to have Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson inside. I mean, those guys are gonna demand. I mean, Derek Brown's gonna have to get double teamed every time a team's running the ball, mm-hmm. and so basically you're gonna look at one on one blocks on the edge unless the these teams that like to run spread offenses are going to bring tight ends down onto the line. Right. And, you know, in that case, he'll have backup from a linebacker most likely. So, uh, I, 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 I don't know. Defensive line is tough for me being at 240. Like that's my size. Yeah. You're listening to the locked on Auburn podcast. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And just kind of looking through the the rest of the offensive guys. Joey Gatewood lost four pounds. DJ Williams gained four pounds. He's up to 216. I love that for a running back. Anthony Schwartz down a pound. Cam Martin lost four pounds, which is crazy. But he, so, what does Cam Martin weigh now? Like one twenty five? Uh, he's no, he's a one eighty nine. He's he's a he's a smaller back for sure. But he's fast. You know, that's kind of his game. And they posted a picture of him on I don't know if it was the Auburn Tigers or the Auburn Football Instagram page. But he is a he is a lean dude. I mean, that guy. I mean, he's jacked for sure. Bo Nix has gained three pounds. He's up to two oh seven. Shedrick Jackson gained six pounds. Seth Williams up to 14 pounds, 224 pounds for uh, for that wide receiver. He's How tall kinda, is he? Does it say? I think he's 6'3". Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Uh, this is going back just a moment. Sorry to keep harping no, on the defensive line. And it it's sort of a made-up question, really, because you'd like to have both. But would you rather have another tackle next to Derek Brown, like Dontavious Russell was, a guy that didn't get much attention but always commanded respect from an offensive coordinator, or what we were just discussing, a little bit more of a reliable threat on the edge, like T.D. Moultrie or Big Cat, bringing back what Jeff Holland brought a few years ago, where it's like, okay, Auburn doesn't have to feel so concerned about blitzing and getting pressure on the quarterback that way. Are we in this hypothetical? Is it like if you had to pick one, one hundred? Yeah, of the like time? if if you know that you're going to get the consistency. If I had to pick uh, one, one hundred percent of the time. Wait, I'll, do I'll, we still have Derek Brown? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, okay. I'm just saying. Like, do you get the consistency of Dontavious Russell, or do you get the stat stuffer of Holland? I'd rather have Holland. I'd rather have Holland. Yeah, because I mean, if you get a sack, it ends the drive. I mean, most times. I mean, if you get a loss, a six-yard play, whether it's second and ten, or you know, or second and sixteen, or you know, third and twelve, like your your defense is probably going to make the stop. And Auburn may have, like, they may have both. Uh, I think yeah, Newkirk. Is, is really, I think, the question mark, and, and maybe Truesdale as well. But I was curious to know if there was a if there would be a preference. It's like I, I just, said, sort of a made-up question. I just think Derek, Derek Brown is going to be such a, uh, such a force there in the middle of the field that you don't really, not that you don't need, I mean, if you have a serviceable guy next to him, I mean, he might not have to be the most dependable guy. It could be a rotation of guys. But having Derek Brown in there is going to help out that other guy so much that the edge rusher just becomes much more important. Yeah, you're definitely going to have to game plan against this if Auburn has any kind of edge presence whatsoever. Because, you know, like you said, with Derek Brown, I, I just don't know how you, 
you can't double everybody. And so let, let's assume you double Derrick Brown. I mean, I, th- I think he's the best player on this team. And you got, whether it's TD or Big Cat coming off the edge, Nick Coe coming off the inside, depending on, you know, if they want to stand him up or put his hand on the ground. I just, I don't see how you game plan around certain things unless you get a college quarterback that just really understands, you know, how to get the ball out of his hands quickly without having a predetermined read that Kevin Steele's defense mm-hmm. can't sniff out. And that's going to be I think tough. there's like four of them that might be able to do that. It's tough. It's like, I think... And it's all the guys. And they're going to get drafted. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Trevor Lawrence and Tua and possibly Justin Herbert. And like some of Herbert, I'm not even sure about his intellect. Like I'm not, I really don't know. I'm not. People are impressed with his, his physicality, physical traits. right? So right. I'm, I'm just not going to speak on where he's at in terms of his scheme because I don't know. But like we know Trevor Lawrence, as ridiculous as it is, can do it. Uh, I think Tua is there. And I think he also has the receivers in the offensive line yeah, to help him out. So, like, there may be three to five guys that can do that. Right. right. Oh, and, like, even Jake Bentley, who, fine, like, maybe after going into his fourth year, he might be in a position where he can do that, but then does he have the weapons and the bad protection? Team. Right. Bad team, right. I have two questions for you guys. The first one's meant to be, like, very quick, though. Um, would it surprise you if we found out that Tua, like, really doesn't make very many reads? Uh, it would not surprise me. Like, like we all throw two in. I mean, I do the same thing. We all assume that he's a really, really good quarterback who can do all this stuff. But, I mean, it, it should be noted. He does have three of the best wide receivers. I mean, he's got Jerry the best. Jerry Judy may be a top three pick yeah. in this year's draft. I mean, he's yeah. got, and the line has always got one or more guys yeah. that are getting drafted. So, yeah, I mean. So if he's making less reads than, than, you know, what a lot of people think, it wouldn't surprise me. But I still think he's elite wherever he goes. Like, yeah. If he played for anybody. He's a first-round draft country. pick. Yeah. But it doesn't hurt that he's also got the most talent of anyone, maybe besides Clemson. And I would still argue yeah. on paper that because of how long they've been recruiting at this level, that Alabama still has a slight edge. Yeah. What's the second question? Um, while we're talking about defense, do you think – I mean, I, I think right now the prevailing theory is that Owen Papo is going to be in that fourth linebacker role. Maybe not in the starting three, but definitely going to get subbed in, going to get playing time. For sure. Do you think we're going to see a bunch of him on third down? Because or maybe kind of a third down specialist role seems logical because because of his speed. We hear about the speed all the time. I'd love him in dime. I'd love for him to be the only linebacker in dime. Justin Ferguson a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. your co-host also writes for the Athletic, talked about how they're going to possibly trust him to be that dime backer. And and I talked about this too. I mean, if he's your third linebacker and you don't want to go nickel for whatever reason, and he has the athleticism to move like a nickelback does. And so I, I think it allows you to do more in pass coverage. Yeah, so that, that's what I was thinking also. And, um, you know, potentially as a blitzer. I mean, with the, with the speed, I mean, if you can get right. – if, if we're not seeing Auburn get pressure from the edge, just having your defensive end hold up the tackle in enough, for enough time to get, uh, get Papo coming off the edge yeah. around him on a, on a blitz, I feel like that would – I mean, obviously we haven't seen him play. I I have not watched him in practice or anything. I don't know if he, I think he's going to be good. What he's going to be good at, but who's going to be the starting linebacker? You think? Like the number one guy? Yeah. Say his name. Oh, KJ Downhill Britt. <laughs> I do think. I thought it was a trick question. No, like, no, it's not. Speaking of Justin, like he's been beating the drum because we're talking about Britt a lot. Wooten, of course, gets mentioned, but it sort of feels like it's, it's almost a, a default. But yeah, like McLean is yeah. a guy that. Because everyone's excited about a five-star who seems to be extremely coachable and 
has every athletic tool you would desire, but apparently McLean has been tearing it up. And he was a four star, I believe. And people describe him in like really unique ways. His teammates always find odd ways to praise him. So I think he's the one that's not getting talked about. Maybe he's not getting talked about because they think he's already locked into his starting spot. He uh, he gained five pounds. He's at two hundred and ten pounds. So you like that? You like that? I like my linebackers around two twenty. I <laughs> wish I was two hundred and ten pounds. You would look so good. Me too. You would look so good. I think I'd look like the thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Where can people find you and hear you, Michael? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CouchPapTato, and you can hear me after the game, live from Skybar with Dan Peck. Listen to Justin Ferguson and me from 11 to 1 on the lunch break. That's ESPN 106.7, ESPNAU.com, and the ESPN 106.7 app. I'm at Paint Sharpless on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Z Blackerby. The show is on Twitter at Locked on Auburn. Tweet at us any questions, comments, concerns. We'd love to hear from you. We will see you tomorrow. This has been another edition of the Locked on Auburn podcast. It's the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.